Choose life, choose a sport, choose a drop zone, choose a start time, choose a fucking big jump plane, choose turbine engines, speed, unlimited altitude, and endless horizons. Choose height, no low turns, and travel insurance. Choose jump tickets, choose tiny action cameras, choose your mates, choose a rig and matching helmet, choose swoop shorts and a range of fucking fabrics, choose 120 vertical speed and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch, watching debriefs, spirit-saving slow-mos, smashing beers after last load. Choose standing on the podium at the end of it all. Choose a win you'll love every time. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you fly NZ Aerosports? Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe... There's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports, fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it, swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust, like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot, the Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch, the JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game, the Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy, specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So the equipment is top of the line kick-ass stuff as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go!
All right, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. And this one, this one is going to be interesting. I don't think anybody quite knows where the fuck this one's going to go. So let's just get started. Who, who the fuck are you and what do you do? Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm Kim Temple and I'm just a mom of two crazy kids. You're just, you're just a mom. You're just some lady <laughs> named kid, Kim that's a, that's a mom. Yeah, no reason most to be on it. Most people wouldn't even know me as Kim Turnbull. No, how would they know you? Go around Worthington. <laughs> um, amongst other nicknames, but yeah. Major Wait a second, we're not even moving forward from that. Go around Worthington? Well, that was my nickname at Cross Keys, you don't remember? I don't, explain it. So... Because I had a 100% safety record at Cross Keys for students landing on the field. But John Eddowes hated me because I always made the plane go around. (laughs) So all the pilots knew that when I was on the plane, we were probably going to do a go around. (laughs) So my nickname amongst the pilots and John Eddowes and all the manifest staff was go around Worthington. Go around Worthington. I like that. I like that. I don't know. Well, I was always just Chuck and Droke, so I was always out of the plane and busting my ass when you were busy going around, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get way ahead of ourselves, a lot of people, at least the people that know you, have just freaked out that you're doing a podcast about skydiving. Like, there's probably a few people that are like, oh, fuck. (laughs) So... (laughs) But we're going to jump way back to how you got started in skydiving in the first place. Because you're from the UK. So, yeah. yeah. How how did it all begin? Oh, so my uncle was a um, skydiver in the UK years and years back with the old school guys now. Kevin McCarthy, Derek Thomas. Um, He used to be on a team called Mind Games back in the day. Leslie Gale. Those guys would have known who he was um anyway so yeah he's my mum's brother and um since I was 10 11 12 I just always wanted to try it and then when I was 17 I signed up to do a tandem at my local skydiving center I did it for charity for like a cancer charity raised a bunch of money Went on a weather hold for about three months before I finally got to jump. Went to the airfield so many times. It was always miserable. So I did my first jump with the British Army and Royal Marines at Honiton in Devon. Okay. And, um, yeah, I did a tandem from 10,000 feet, and I was on the static line course the next morning. So you knew right away. I got work <laughs> and just start with the, with the static line course, yeah. You knew and straight that was me and spent all my money on skydiving and alcohol and yeah, it was so instant. You, you went from zero to full speed. Yeah, pretty much. That's I, how it is. Hey, doesn't but, surprise but, me. For people like me, <laughs> that was <laughs> all, always all or nothing. Yeah, so but it was good. I ended up dating that tandem instructor about a year later. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that, that, a long that, time. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, now, so starting out in the UK, though, is kind of a shit place to to begin with the weather, isn't it? Oh, yeah. The weather is absolutely atrocious. And like I said, it was about three months from signing up until I actually made the skydive. And Mm. that was many, many trips to 
the skydiving center and hanging around being blown out rained out and yeah it was just it just never happened so when we finally and we'd get the call and we were about a 45 minute drive away and it's like oh yeah we might might find a window at five o'clock okay so we'd drive all the way up there and they'd be like oh nah it's it's too windy now or it's raining and it was always miserable so but yeah it's very hard in the UK to be a skydiver and stick with it because it's there's so much downtime but the people at the drop zones it's the you know it's the time down that you're getting to know everyone and you're part of the family and that's the whole welcoming spirit of skydiving and everyone's welcome and you know I learned at a military base with the, the Royal Marines and geez, those guys are, I mean, it was their job, but we were civilians, but it was a weird kind of mixture. But right. um, yeah. Well, yeah, it's very interesting. It sounds, <laughs> very interesting. Like, it sounds like, so, well, especially if you ended up dating your first tandem instructor a year later. <laughs> so you obviously put the time yeah. in the drop zone. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you know, Every weekend I was there. I, was, I, I used to always call in sick from work to work and just I'd go up on the Thursday. <laughs> they had uh, bunk rooms up there. Mm. So, you know, everyone would just go stay in the bunk room on the airfield and then you jump all day, Saturday, Sunday. And when I say all day, it was probably one or two jumps sure. because it's so expensive. I mean, it was very expensive to learn to skydive in the UK. Sure. You got your gear rental, everything. It was... And you always had to buy beer. Any excuse in the UK, they mm. would make you buy. The Royal Marines would make you buy beer. Of so, course. And it, but but it, it was, you know, they took so, liberties. <laughs> wait a sec. So you're, you're how old at this point? Uh, I think I started at 18, <clears throat> 17 or 18. 17 or 18-year-old 18 Kim Worthington. Yeah. Buying beer and driving to a military base to spend the I weekend. Drive. I didn't have a driver's license. I, I relied <laughs> on people to, to ferry me to and from the drop zone. And it was, there wasn't that many people from my hometown that were skydivers. So I did introduce a few people to try, try it just so mm. that I could get a ride there. <laughs> and yes, there was no, the train only went to the nearest town, but then the drop zone was another 15 miles from the train station so it was if you haven't got a driver's license it's a real pain in the bum to get to basically sure. so yeah so one of the guys you... I to get a lift with he's actually inside now for murder <laughs> <laughs> well there you go nice little <laughs> nice little side note to that yeah, yeah. <laughs> my goodness how do you transition from shit weather and having to bum rides to becoming a professional skydiver? I mean, how the fuck? I didn't have any intentions to be in becoming a professional skydiver. I just really liked the the parties. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll never forget um, my first trip away was Emporia Brava in Spain. That was it for me. I yeah. mean, I think um, I did two weeks the first trip with a big group from the drop zone, my local home drop zone. And 
oh, I think I had about 50 jumps at the time. I mean, I was low, low jump numbers and mm. I knew nothing. And I, I couldn't even fly a canopy. It was awful. And um, yeah, I was a terrible skydiver, terrible student. And, um, but yeah, we had such a good time. And being a female, you get quite a lot of attention. So that was always quite good. <laughs> you know, so well, yeah, we had a great time. And then I just wanted to do that all the time. You know, when you're in your early 20s and you're in a different country, you got no olds telling you what to do. Sure. It was, it was you know, it was great. So is Imperia Brava, is that where you really started to work at, at getting into the sport? Well, look, I was, I could never pack parachutes. So I, and I, I, I needed to make money mm. and in order to jump and, you know, attain that lifestyle. So, you know, I did have to jump more and I thought, well, I never want, packing never appealed to me. Sure. So when I left Spain, my next trip was to Deland. Okay. And Bob Hallett there offered me a job to do manifest. I think he was just joking, but I think, and then I literally went home two days later. I flew back to Deland and I was like, well, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, he's like, oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah, I did say you can have a job. So yeah, I, I did manifest and worked in the office for, Oh, like two or three years there. Oh, wow. I had no idea that you did manifest. Yeah, really annoyed people on the microphone. Yeah, you would have been a psychotic manifester. Yeah, people got really annoyed with my voice because I had like all my little quirky sayings, like, because it wasn't just manifest, it was the office as well, and dishing out the gear and all that good stuff. And yeah, it was um, the good the girls that worked in there, we were all just having a laugh. It was, it was good times. I mean, sure. Oh, yeah. I can imagine, but Oh my God, you must've been a terror with a little bit of power. Oh man. I loved it. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you did. Oh yeah, my God. Good. I did enjoy it. But, um, at, <laughs> at, and then at a certain point I, I'd actually lived in the land for a while. And when I first got there, I was super motivated. So I was doing coaching with um, Gary Smith and I did some with um, Solly Williams and Joey Jones. I did a fill-in on a four-way team for him and I was really motivated. And then after a while, I, th- I think I was, I just lost, I just, I remember looking back and thinking I hadn't jumped in about eight months mm. and I just became a person that, was working but hadn't jumped for so long and then I had to make a decision and then I just was like right I'm gonna jump 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 and then did my coach rating and then once I got that it was like AFF followed and sure Rob Laidlaw was a big big help for me at Glam because he kind of took me under his wing and said you can do this and you've got all the people at Deland to help you mm. you've got the best people there to you know, <laughs> guide you and tell you you're crap and say, well, you know, you got to go to the tunnel. You've got to do something and you can't be teaching because you can't do it yourself. Right. I'll never forget Scott Miller from PD saying, I can't believe you're teaching people how to skydive and you can't even pack a parachute, which was true. <laughs> I'd hidden it really well for many, many years, but I just had no inclination to pack parachutes. Right. So 
I did finally learn <laughs> after I got my AFF rating. <laughs> that is psychotic. How the fuck do you get all the way to an AFF instructor and you can't pack a parachute? Yeah, I just boobs. hit it it's really well. Hey, you were in a bikini top most of the time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I could I could do the first part. I could never, once I got to the getting it in the bag part, I was like, oh, I'm over this. And then I'd always say, oh, can you just finish that for me? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Someone always would. Yeah, of course. But Scott Miller pulled me up on it. He was like, the, he did all the test jumps for PD, uh, performance designs, and he used to just pull me up on it. He's like, Kim, you've got an AFF rating and you can't even pack a parachute. Come on now. And I was like, right. yeah, I suppose you're right. It's time to get serious. So, yeah. Well, it, so. It did, that kind of explains, though, why you never got your tandem rating, too. If you didn't well, even no, want to... the rating was the reason I quit skydiving. Because <laughs> yeah. I did my shoulder win. Yeah, yeah. And the tandem rating. Well, I just figured I, you wouldn't I, want to get your... I just figured you wouldn't want to get your tandem rating because if you're too lazy to put a parachute in the bag, <laughs> you're shit not going to want to do a tandem. <laughs> yeah, true. It wasn't laziness, like... Um, when we did the tandem rating, Sarah did all the pack jobs, eh? <laughs> of course. Of but, course. Um, you know, I, I did five or six tandems. Yeah. Yeah. And I hated every single one of them, apart from the one where I had Sarah on the front of me. Yeah. I did not enjoy them. And I think a lot of it was to do with I didn't like the gear I was wearing. Sure. Um. I was always a vector girl, you know, and having yeah. to with a strong parachute, I just, I didn't like them. They look ugly and I just didn't like them. They, yeah, the strong rigs were, were an acquired taste for sure. Yeah, so, and yeah, I just, and I, and my first jump with Sarah, Jonathan's got it on video, but we were up there for ages. It was so windy and we were both under canopy. So we decided we were just going to spiral down and, the canopy just kept collapsing and we just would drop out of the sky and we're like, Oh my God, what's going on? And Sarah would scream. She's on the front having a little scream and I'm going, it's all right. But I was actually shitting myself too. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't like that, but I was like, okay, I'll do a few more, but I just couldn't flare them. Hey, I just didn't have that strength. And then I did my shoulder in and sure. you know, the shoulder was maybe a little bit of an excuse because I could have maybe finished it a little bit further down the track. I only had three jumps left to do. And I was good at it. I yeah. mean, it wasn't like I couldn't do it. Sure. You know, I well, was better than some people that were doing it for years. During that, uh, during that time, <laughs> during that time, that was when we were all in the gym training. Um, Cause Sarah you wanted were, to. Yeah. Sarah you were wanted... training in yeah. the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because Sarah wanted to build up her strength, and so did you, yeah. and so we all hit the gym yeah. to train, yeah. Yeah, those were the days. So how did you end up in Cross Keys? Oh, so I, I'd done a stint at um, Empuria Brava um, again. I'd gone back in, after I got my AFF rating, I left the land, and I went to Empuria Brava because Kevin McCarthy, who was a friend of my uncle always said to me, once you get your AFF rating, come and work for me and I'll, you know, teach you, you know, you under his guidance. Mm -hmm. And it was the best thing I could, could have done because I wouldn't have got those jump numbers in 
anywhere else. Mm. So I left there and I did a season in Empuria Brava. And um, I can't remember how many jumps I did, but I did enough to know that I needed to do more and practice and practice. Sure. So I had the choice when I went back to the land, I had the choice of either running the skydive university coaching and having my own office down at cross keys or um, going back to Ampuria Brava and they wanted to open up the gear shop there, which um, it was under kind of PD relative workshop at the time, mm. PT now. And um, I was going to go and work in there. Um, anyway, I chose cross keys cause I just, I was at a point in my life where I wanted to actually jump sure. and I'd heard cross keys was a factory for the jump numbers. Sure. And I was interested in making some money and just, I needed a break from land. I'd been there for a while and I needed to kind of sure. know, make my own name because at land I was always known as standby. I was never given a job there. It was always, you can do a but you're on standby there's so sure. many staff there year round and it was always if someone's sick but 10 people had to be sick in order for me to get a aff jump in you know sure. so it wasn't yeah so i went to cross keys and um yeah well i think it sounds a, it sounds a little bit like your decision to go to cross keys was mine i had knew nothing about cross keys when i went and i took the job because it was the busy place and it was the responsible choice because it was a busy good oh, money it was never job. a responsible choice i mean the choice was responsible because i was being given my own coaching school handed on a plate kim sure. here's here's the skydive you coaching school go run it Right. You'll be doing all the coaching. You'll be doing all the events. And I was like, sweet. In about from the December to the April before I left, in those four months, I met a bunch of people from Cross Keys and I'd see them all down at Sebastian. And then I was like, oh my gosh, Cross Keys <laughs> is going to be nuts. And everyone was like going, are you going to Cross Keys? And I was like, yeah. And they're like going, oh, it's so crazy there. You'll love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, mon the Monkey Claw crew. <laughs> I met, and then there was a I met John Eddowes um about a year before he came to Deland on a tour in a bus with all the crew from Cross Keys it was like the Monkey Claw guys um Jewelry that's where I first met Jewelry <laughs> yep. she was on that trip back when she jumped and um a few other people and they came they blew into Deland caused mayhem and then blew out again in a bus the next morning. And it was like, and they stole the totem pole from Deland. <laughs> There's this big wooden totem pole. It's beautiful. And the Cross Keys crew stole it and took it back to Deland. Um, yeah, back to Cross back Keys. Back to Cross Keys. <laughs> Typical John Eddowes move, you know? Yep, yep. Well, so you so, knew going into it uh, before you got to Cross Keys that it was going to be off the hook. Well... <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I did. I, I knew it was going to be a change and I had met some people and I thought, oh, this, this is going to be cool. But I still thought it was going to be, you know, professional day job and parties on the weekend. I didn't realize it was going to be quite as crazy as it was straight away. It was so full on and it was like, I've nothing Cross Keys is like nothing I've ever experienced before. Unless you've experienced Cross Keys in its heyday, oh. you, can't, you can't relate because the stories just 
they're too over the top. Can't believe it. The stories are you, you. You just think is she like? How can that even be true? Yeah. Oh, I know. Did that really happen? And the thing is, it's not exaggerated. You you tend to tone things down when yes. talking about prophecies because you, otherwise, the place would have been shut down yonks ago. Oh I yeah. Mean, the place was it was nuts. It was nuts. My first I've indication in my life. My first indication that I may have made a miscalculation when I went to Cross Keys. <laughs> was the first fucking morning, and you'll remember this, at least you better remember this, because I had set up my trailer in the parking lot, because I got there late uh, one night, set up the trailer in the parking lot. It, what was that name? What was that um, car you were uh, The little Yoda-looking yeah. guy. I, I can't remember his name, but yeah, he and I, yeah, he and I drove out together and set up that thing in the middle of the parking lot, because we had no idea where else to park. And I walked into the hangar, the next morning, I didn't get one fucking foot into the hangar, and I hear this voice from across the hangar scream, Oi, are you that stripper named Princess from Vegas? It was fucking, <laughs> fucking you right there, instantly, right off the bat. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Welcome to Krusty's. <laughs> exactly. It was instantly like, are you that stripper from Vegas? And it was you. You're the first person that I actually That's talked what? to. But do you know what? John Eddowes, like... As much as you either love him or hate him, I, right. I always got on really well with John. We, sure. had, we had our moments, but I always got on really well with him, and I really liked the guy. Um, he would pull a couple of people aside for about a week before and be like, right, there's this person coming. This is the briefing. This is who they are. This is their background. Make them feel welcome. Show that <laughs> And he would, he would feed it. Right. Because he wanted people to love cross keys i mean it was his it was i mean it got a name for itself and he was the guy that made that happen and gave it that reputation he did feed it sure so you'll know what i mean because he used to feed will and selwyn to do certain things to make things happen sure but they might not have had the idea themselves so he would do that and he did the same with richard wilkinson before Richard came, I spoke to Richard on the phone. He was in Australia and I'm in the office and John Eddowes is like, hey, Kim, this is Guy, da 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 speak to him, da 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 speak to him dirty and all this stuff. So when you arrived, I knew you were a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> had, I mean, he had set, told me all this stuff. So it was like, ah, oh, hey, you know, <laughs> welcome to Crossfield. You oh, must be was- the stripper. It was fucking hilarious. I mean, I literally only made one foot in the door. And I think it was that very first weekend because the place that he gave me to park the trailer was about, oh, I don't know, 30 meters from the Tiki Bar. Oh, yeah. Well, at least you got a trailer. When I first arrived, he promised me a trailer. And I think it. I got shown down to Toast's trailer down by the fuel pumps. And when I realized that actually i didn't have any accommodation at crosskeys this was after a couple of days of sleeping on the floor at the ketchup house i decided to just go and get an apartment sure so yeah he he did make some promises that never right right well so that was one of the weird things but you were there he had got you there oh yeah once you were there you did it you know it was fight or flight mode yeah you know 
Well, yeah, it was the same thing. I got there and, and there were a few extra rules and some strange things that they had. Like with the pay, you had to have an LLC. Oh, that was my rules at Cross Keys. Yeah, for stuff like that, to get paid, you had like the LLC, remember? You had to oh, have yeah, your own company. Was, yeah, you had to do that. That was that wasn't just cross keys, that was the whole state of New Jersey. Oh, you wanna know you wanna know how I got around that? I just asked the okay. bank to put my business name on my personal checks. <laughs> I never had an LLC. Yeah, mine's still live. I just haven't used it. But um, they changed it, didn't they, halfway through. And this, the laws changed, so you didn't need it anymore. But um, yeah. yeah, that was a bit of a pain in the bum. You had to have all the insurance and, yeah. It was that was a little different, but yes, as far as anything else was concerned, there were no fucking rules. I've never seen so much insanity in my life. Ever. I know, and it, it is an eye opener. And at first, at first, it was it was funny, but it did get to a point where I I would think to myself, okay, this isn't actually funny. This is this is actually scary and a little bit kind of. Yeah. You, well, you know, like. well, you know where it turned for me was Cusky. Oh, Cusky, I mean, he, look, for me, he was a bit try hard. <laughs> when Selwyn or Will did something, it was funny because, I mean, you just look at Selwyn and he, he, he's got one of those faces. He just makes you laugh. He's, right. a, he's an awesome dude. You just want to care for him. And I remember when I first met him, the guy, he had no shoes. Unless I was feeding him every day, and boy, that he could eat. And he wasn't eating, hey. So I just felt like I needed to mother him, you know. And then Will, I always really liked Will. Um, but he used to piss me off. Sure. But, but when but when those two did stuff, it was, it, they just did it naturally, or because right. Edo's told them. But Cusky, he was try hard. Sure. He was trying to get to be those two, sure. to be in there with that crew. And it was obvious to me, and I just found everything that he did, yeah, try hard. I don't sure. know. Well, I, mean, I just didn't like the guy that much. He was just hanging around. He, he didn't jump much. He was just, I don't know. I just found him, yeah. Well, but with me I saying he... Kill of the dead, but I just, <laughs> I just found him, I mean... <laughs> You know how I found him. I just, I just really thought, dude, get your fucking shit together. For sure. I mean, for sure. what you like that? You're a grown man, and you're just acting like a pleb. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> for know? sure. Yeah. Although telling someone to grow up in cross keys in 2004s, <laughs> that was yeah, pretty but difficult. He didn't contribute much, did he? The only no. thing he contributed to was well. He, 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 not even to the party because he just gets so messy that it was a joke. It's I don't he know. He did I make just, for a couple of epic stories, though. I mean, where were you for the peanut butter? Yeah, and the chili, the, the pepper. Remember I don't remember the I don't remember the pepper. I remember the, the peanut butter and marley. Oh well, everyone remembers that. But yeah, there was the habanero, which I think Cruzy's got on uh, video somewhere and that was a setup by cruzy it was another thing who like we're on a weather hold what can we do oh cusky will do something because he likes to be the center of attention for all the wrong reasons let's get a pepper the hottest one in the world and let cusky eat it right you know? so he did some silly yeah, shit there's no doubt but, yeah. 
Well, and yeah. come on, he, he went out with a bang. Well, yeah, we all saw that coming. That, do you know, me and Heath Richardson were supposed to be on that load. Mm. So I was doing free fly coach dumps that day with Heath. And um, him and Fricker pinched our spots on the aircraft. Hmm. So me and he were just sitting there and they would not get off the plane. And I was just like, guys, you've just jumped. This is our spot. You're on the next load. You're not even on this one. And oh, you, it was like trying to talk to a freaking brick wall. So me and he were just like, you know what? Let them have it. Who gives a, you know, crap. Right. I, I didn't want to argue with them because they were, let's be honest, they were, they were both drunk that day, yeah. you know? And we all knew they were, but at the time, cross keys had these little strips that you stuck on your head. And yeah, I mean, who was policing that? Nobody. I mean, well, they were so drunk, it was just not even funny. And I don't even know what they were doing the night before. But at the end of the day, you can't argue with people that are in that state. So we just got off the load and we sat outside the monkey claw office, the skydive view office, on those benches with you. Yeah. Um, you know, chatting. Yeah, because that was. Um, that was. And next uh, thing you know, we had a bang. And um, <laughs> Heath, it was Heath. Heath turned around and he said, Did someone just go in? And we just went, Yeah, Kuski just went in. Yeah. And you went and you ran. I didn't even bother running. I remember Heath got on a bicycle. I just sat there because I was like, What's the point? Yeah, I drove my truck over there. I saw Frick yeah. still at the Ketchup House, landed there. Yeah. Um, After the Cypress fire, and then uh, yeah. um, and then and there was hands in his head, like what's what just happened? Like yep. he couldn't believe it. Well, yep. I mean, we we actually watched it from the table. Like, me, you, and Heath was sat there on that table, and I remember looking up, and Kuski was on his back. Yep. Fricker was on his belly yep. and they were just being goofs. And I actually remember Frick Cypress fired and I actually remember Kusky rolling over at about treetop height yep. and I almost could see his face like, holy shit, I fucked up. Yep. Yep. And he's dead. Yep. That's exactly and what I saw. It didn't register it, with me. My brain just kind of didn't, I what I saw and what I heard it. didn't. Yeah. Yeah. We heard the bang and I, we just all looked at each other. And then Heath was like, Yep. Did Custody just go in? Yep. Yeah. Custody well, just went in. Well, and I, I was standing next to Damo and I actually turned to Damo and I, I, I couldn't say anything other. Yeah. And I'm like, What was that sound? And, and Damo just said, Cusky. And I'm oh, yeah. Damo came in through the hangar, and he was just like Cusky, and we were just like, yeah, Cusky just went in, and you guys went. I just sat there because I was like, well, I don't want to see a dead body. Yeah. But you went and tried to do mouth to mouth, and you came back, and you were just like his insides just were like sponge, and they just you pushed down on his chest, and it just was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was a and miscalculation I could, I could, on my part. I, I mean, there's no way he could have survived that. Well, the only and reason I just, that I did chest compressions is because Toast came over and begged me, begged me, please, 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 can we please do this? And I did one chest compression, felt the concrete behind him and went, nope, that's it. We're done. And walked away. Because yeah, someone came yeah, over to me after that. And, and I'm like, I, I should be going. It was, 
it was in someone's front yard. I mean, yeah. they had kids, basketball hoop there. And it was yeah, like, you make the basketball like, hoop. Oh, mate. I just remember thinking like that poor family. Sure. They probably sign up for this when they moved into Dahlia Rev, you know. Right. Well, so that's the weird thing, right? Is because that drop zone is right in the middle of a residential area, right in the middle of a very residential little town. And we would take our crazy shit into Williamstown all the time. Those poor people that lived in that neighborhood. Well, John did buy most of the houses in that street. Yeah. Yeah. But there were definitely some regular folk that still (laughs) lived down that street. Yeah. But can you imagine? I mean... Just being a regular person, sure. having to deal with that street. Oh my well, gosh! And us in general, though, we got so used to the way that that drop zone was that we stopped differentiating between when we were at the drop zone, or even in Williamstown, and when we were out and about. And I'm going to see if you remember this. We went to dinner in a Mexican restaurant in Manhattan. Do you remember this? So it was. Yeah, we anyway, were. Yeah, so um, it was a relatively wealthy student that was coming out and learning how to jump. Oh, uh, with, with the model. Yeah, Hector uh, took us Hector. to this. To the he got well. us past the whole line and took us in to have this. And it was you and uh, the whole crew and Jackson and me and my mom was there. And at the end of the meal, you push yourself back from the table. And do you remember what you said? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. My kids might listen to this. I can't say, I don't say that now. I, I barely swear anymore. If you don't say it, I'm going to say it. You can say it. I'm not going to say it. Oh, that got me into trouble when I lived in Spain. The drop zone owner didn't speak to me for about two months after I said that after a meal. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. Oh, so did I. Pete Jones, he just, he didn't talk to me. I was dying because you're sitting next to well, my mom. Yeah, you're sitting next to my mom. You kind of push yourself back from the table a little bit, make a big deal of rubbing your belly and go, oh, I'm as full as a slut's cunt. (laughs) My mom stopped chewing. My mom stopped chewing. She just couldn't even cope with And we're in the middle of a very fancy restaurant in fucking Manhattan, like just off 65th Avenue. (laughs) Yeah, so classy. But you know what? When you're English... In, in America, you can get away with stuff like that because, you you know, your accent's still cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's always got me by in America. Yeah, fair you know? enough. And I, re- I remember milking it for a few people, uh, you know, often what? when we were almost getting arrested, you know, I'd have to be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm ever so sorry, officer. Oh, really? Oh, okay. You know, and you just put on the accent a little bit more and it always worked. But, it worked yeah. for all you guys. It worked. I don't for say you. things like that anymore, Princess. Uh, I, fair enough. I have children. I'm I'm middle aged. I I go to school meetings and um, you know. <laughs> I so can't picture that shit. People, people here knew about my colorful past. Yeah. Whew. You'd almost be better off just lying and saying you used to be a porn star. Oh my gosh! Probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> 
Well, but the whole crew, it was for those few seasons in Cross Keys with the people that were out there, you had you and people like Rob Stanley and Mark Norman and all these amazing characters that just fed off of each other. And then there was us, you know, the Americans that would just kind of tag along because no American chick wanted to talk to me if I was out with that fucking crew. Princess, you never just tagged along. <laughs> you never just tagged along. Don't say it like you were watching from behind the wall. You were in it as quickly as everyone else, and you were you were a part of it just like everyone else. And you you were princess. Oh yeah. And you had your moments. I did. And I mean, we had some serious conversations and times. Yes, we have. Haven't we? <laughs> so um, you know. Don't I get to like just observing from oh no I was auditorium somewhere because you were a player <laughs> oh I definitely was a part of the mayhem there's no doubt about oh, yeah, that sure. although I, I feel like I feel like with us we were nothing we ever did was would cause too much malice or it was always kind of fun sure it never was crazy and that's how i feel like cross keys went bit, a bit too far when they started destroying things and setting sure. fire to things and i i didn't like that because the other stuff is funny you know wrapping tinfoil around your body and going out in a lightning storm on the airfield now that stuff's funny you know <laughs> and eating a habanero pepper that is funny and but when you start setting cars on fire and sure. couches and let's not forget when that year, when we got a new manager, it was actually scary. For me, I found it quite scary because I come from, you know, the UK. We don't have guns in the UK. I've never even seen a gun. Mm. And then I walk into the top house and the, this guy's bought an arsenal of weapons yeah. and they shot up the whole top house and no one was safe. And I, just, I remember being genuinely fearful because they these people hmm. fricker and hmm. ref would get super drunk i mean those two bonded like they were brothers from another mother and when they got drunk those, those weapons came out and yep. for me that was scary so i tried not to be around when that was going on because i i didn't like that i didn't sure. find that funny i just found that scary and um yeah, that season for me, that left a bit of a sour taste in my in my mouth for that, well, the, that season. Well, the, the, our version of crazy was stuff like the night we shot the Sarge video. Like, yeah. You remember that, right? Everybody just got hammered well, drunk and, yeah. and Sarge, yeah. uh, was it, how did it go? Was it Sarge challenged uh, Jackson to a drinking contest and yeah, Jacko kept, he, he kept, he kept pouring Sarge vodka and himself water? Because Jackson was... British Marines, and I believe Sarge was U.S. Army. Um, Either or, yeah. they, they were, they were, you know, they both were showing their manhood. And look, we all know at the end of the day, Jacko was going to win whatever was coming, whether right. he had to cheat or do it, you know, whatever. <laughs> he was always going to win, yeah. you know. And they did, but Sarge was funny. I mean, that guy, he he, he, he took some crap at cross keys but boy he kept coming back over and over and he loved it i remember i took him on a coach jump um and heath richardson was flying the cessna and 
it filled with smoke and we had to do an emergency exit, right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we've got black smoke in the cockpit. We're going to do an emergency exit. And he's like, yes, ma'am. You, you know, just kind of like, and he was just intently listening on instruction. You can ask for a better person to do sure. an emergency exit. He did everything I told him. And that guy now, he is a really good skydiver, tandem instructor in his own right, and yeah. one of the main dudes that his drop zone. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like, what? to think little Sarge, who, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I remember my my respect for him jumped through the roof, not that particular night that we destroyed him, but when we showed I the video. what he said. I'm a mite concerned. Yeah, I'm a mite bit concerned that he saw blood I'm when he threw up. Concerned. They're like, that's not blood. It's like a strawberry or a blueberry or something. I yeah. couldn't remember what it was. But no, I told like, him. I told him it was. Uh, it was the red sauce from spaghetti that we'd eaten earlier. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, my my respect jumped through the roof for him because we showed that video. Nobody knew that there was that video until the film festival months later. What's that's right. And he was sitting in the hangar and he sat there and fucking laughed with everybody else. And this is a yeah. guy who at one point in the video ends up dropping his pants and is getting yeah. whipped by you. <laughs> the video. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he could take it though. He loved it. He yeah. was getting the attention. He loved it. Well, and I didn't, oh, the I didn't feel bad about fucking with him on that because then the the film that you and me and everybody made that won the film festival was just me walking around in drag in fucking Williamstown. And remember that shit? The yeah, Princess Diaries, we called it. Oh, the Princess Diaries. That's right. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Like, I've forgotten some of this stuff. That's the one but, where uh, at the end of the video, uh, Simeon ended up uh, in his underwear wrapped around a telephone pole imitating some of the stupid shit that he... He ended up in his underwear. I mean, come on. <laughs> that guy's... Like, I don't understand that mentality. It's like, what's wrong with you? But um, going back to <laughs> keeping it a secret, I don't know whether you remember this, but uh -oh. I, I tell my husband about this all the time. I did the best prank ever, and I did it at Cross Keys, and it's all because I kept it going for so long. It was with Patrick, Patch. Okay, Patrick yeah. Patrick Yeah. I remember he lived with me and Jackson for a while. Yeah. Up in the old apartment, the Haitian sensation. Yeah, I remember. So he came home one day, and he said to me, he's like, um, is Cruzy's child a boy or a girl? Because, you know, he's... It's called Matt. Like he genuinely didn't know. He was right. new, and this was when, this is when she had like a little kind of shorter haircut. Sure. And um, so I told him, I was like, "Look, Patch, you can't say anything. It's a bit of a touchy subject. Everyone in Cross Keys knows." I was like, "But Cruzy and his wife Lisa, they really wanted a little girl, and you know, they really, yeah, they really wanted a little girl, but." they had a little boy called Max and that's why they dress him in girls clothes. No, oh, I kept this going for about a year and he would come home and now her hair was a little bit longer and he goes, I can't believe they've let him grow his hair that long now. Like it's child abuse, you know, someone should say something. And, you know, he actually said something to a couple of other people at Cross Keys and no one ever twigged what was going on. And I'd just always be in the background, just laughing my head off. Like, <laughs> inside i kept that joke going for over a year until i told him the truth and it's 
to, to this day, my favourite ever prank that I've played. <laughs> he <laughs> judged Chris so hard on it. Oh, it was the best. I bet. I bet. Well, and, I mean, come and on. Any prank on Cruzy, come on. <laughs> so because the guy couldn't make a joke. He could dish him out, though. Oh, my God. He could dish him out, but when he got them back, he didn't like it. Cruzy's a funny one, because I liked Cruzy when he was just being Cruzy. Right. But when he was always being a suck-up, it's like, mate, you're doing yourself no favours. Stop being a suck-up. Just just be yourself, man. Stop trying to cause trouble for everyone. Just get on with your job and let everyone be happy. Right. Why are you trying to cause problems for everyone? Right. I well, mean, everybody like, had their own different ways of stirring shit. But then you'd go out and get drunk with him and he's like, you'd have a great time with him. He's like, oh, Cruzy's a great guy. Oh, no, sure. he's been a dick again. Sure. You know, well, like, you know, I'll tell you what, you know where my respect went through the roof for him on one particular occasion, and you'll remember this as well, it was the day we all went for Sarah's memorial. Yeah. I'll tell you oh. what, man, say what you will about good and bad times, but he really, he kind of, um, he shined a much more positive light on skydivers in a church full of people that fucking hated every one of us because their shining light had just died on a skydive. And he... Yeah, well. He, he, yeah, yeah, he did yeah. well. He, did, he really did. He yeah, did. that was pretty impressive. And, I mean, I, I, I still get upset to think about Sarah and talk about Sarah. No, me too. <laughs> no, me too. I don't know what it is. Like, you have a couple of kids, your hormones changes. I can't even watch a commercial on TV now without crying. But, yeah, look, Sarah, for me, she was well, just yeah. one of my favorite people in the whole entire world, you know? She was... Sure. Amazing. She used to go and get me coffee from Starbucks yeah, and just drop it off before I'd start work in the morning. I mean, yeah. when I did my shoulder in on the tandem rating, she came and got me dressed for three days. Mm. Yeah. You know, and just, I always felt like as one of the only female instructors at Cross Keys with, with experience. Sure. I felt like sometimes she was, trying to run before she could walk. So I felt sure. like I needed to kind of reel her in a bit and take her under my wing and just kind of slow down, Sarah. Not everything's a race. You don't have to be there before. You just, you know, you're young, take take your time. But she, I mean, she was just wanting to do everything. At that point, that year, she wanted to learn how to swoop, learn how to free fly, learn how to you know, fly canopies together, do CRW, get a tandem rating. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was nuts. Yeah. Well, it, it was, was nuts. it was part of that whole cross keys vibe is just go, 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 go. You know I mean? We were. And it does, it breeds that. And I do feel like for me, learning in the land where everyone's really sensible. I mean, it's a very professional environment. So I always, I grew up with it being professional, you sure. know, the parties were after work right? and cross keys, everything is just, you have to have everything done yesterday. And you, look, the flashing lights and the dollar signs, you do end up sacrificing the student's quality sure. of, and your quality of teaching because you just want to make the money. I mean, I remember the first year I was there, I probably made about 500 jumps over the season, but mm. I was doing 40 minute calls. 
I was doing 20 minute briefings, big debriefs with video, this, 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 this. And I would watch other instructors do three jumps to my one. Oh yeah. And they were making, you know, a thousand dollars a week. Yeah. And I was making 400 and there comes a time where I went, you know what? I just want to make the money. I want to take four months off and go snowboarding. I want to take two months off and go Dominican Republic kite surfing and people that train at Crosskeys, they don't know any different because they've not been anywhere else. But I do feel like if you have got your ratings and started at a place like that, you're, you need to go to a bigger pond to, sure. to learn how to do it properly. And yeah, it's unfortunate because a lot of good instructors are bad instructors because of the environment that they. Sure. Well, one of my regrets to. about the, the cross keys time was that um, we would go out and very quickly you, you started having these um, amazing fun jumps that were work jumps and you realized, oh, wait, the, the student is just a prop. And this is not oh, their yeah. skydive. You know, I mean, you can remember all these different jumps that we did where the tandem student was just a byproduct of the fact that we wanted to go out and have fun. And yeah, so and I would like people in the ass, too. So, yeah, you know, yeah, cross you know, reputation, it caught up and, you know, the Internet caught up and <laughs> people started posting stuff. And next thing you know, yeah. Jeez. I mean, luckily for Cross Keys, the internet wasn't as popular Thank fuck. at the beginning. Yeah. Because, it, yeah, anyway, but... Um, well, you remember, yeah. this is probably the craziest I tandem I... I to remain somewhat professional because I was already sponsored by PD and sponsored by UPT. I'd done a bunch of work with them. And, sure. you know, I, rem- I, I remember doing boogies there and getting Egon and Collar to come up there and... Yeah. You know, I still had a job to do. I still, sure. the students would still come to you for advice. And, you know, you sure. still have to be somewhat. Yeah. Well, and, and it's not like we had any uh, a lack of fun, but we, there, there seemed to be this this um, back and forth. It was a, almost a cross keys curse for all the fun that we had. Something bad happened for every, you know, really good thing that we had. And one of the prime examples was um, you remember when the the uh, party happened after Heath Richardson's uh, wedding, and people went tumbling down out of the tree and Cameron. Oh, Melody and um... Cusky Melody and Cameron fell out yeah. of the tree. He breaks his neck. He's in the hospital with a halo after major surgery. And what are we doing? They take... thought they thought he was going to be paralyzed yeah they thought it was he was you know probably going to be a quad meanwhile we somehow talked his father into going for a tandem and did the most insane tandem out of the back of the sky van it was so cross keys i know that was crazy hey but i don't know people just warmed to us i remember you know you know love or hate jacko but he would really just oh yeah make the effort with everybody that showed up there and yeah i mean well i mean I and we re- had we had everybody coming i mean we had people that were professionals like hector come out we had remember when david blaine came out and jacko and i took him on aff uh-huh. i mean <laughs> yeah and also um the manchester united goalkeeper's brother who um 
has Tourette's and Jacko said, you can take this one because I know you're a Manchester United fan. So yeah, that was pretty awesome. And (laughs) there were those two top models from New York that came out. And then I ended up almost going on a date with one of them, but he, there was a crew crew came down from New Zealand and we ended up in New York and we didn't get home until 7am and I never made it. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Well, I mean, we can hash out uh, um, the the story time for fucking days over all the the bizarre shit that happened at that place. I mean the yeah. the, the world's record the day we did the tandems and the party that Red Bull threw for us afterwards. You know, you know what? That record does not stand because no, they didn't certify it. Okay, my home drop zone in the UK. They claimed it after doing about a hundred tandems, and I remember writing on their Facebook page. We did like 300 in a day. How have you guys got the record? Yeah. And it was never officiated. They had everything there. They had the paperwork. John Eddowes did not send the paperwork in. It's like, what? I know. And Peanut was like, yeah, it was all there. You know, Rick Rowe, Peanut. Yeah. Yeah. So that was crazy. Like. Yeah, we did 304 tandems in one day. Yeah. Yeah, it was nuts. Yep. That was not. I didn't do anything that day. I just got gear, people geared up, and I remember Red Bull paid me quite substantially just to gear people up for the day. Sure. And um, jump. Well, fuck! They brought in they brought in uh, um, models to serve as cocktail waitresses yeah. for us. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Swanson and the and Eli and all the Red Bull team at the time they came in. And they were just jumping all day long. Yeah, they bought. Oh, that that was nuts! That party, hey. Yep. Yes, it was. was yes, nuts. it was. Well, was what an awesome day! How hot was it though? Do you remember how humid it was? Oh, it was. I brutal. remember we had to be at the drop zone at five a.m. and I walked out of my door and I was just dripping. Yeah. Oh, it was brutal. I remember doing jump number. I went to do tandem number twenty-eight. Uh, and it was funny because it was the cattle call. You guys would just put uh, the groups. And so the quick tandem instructors would run and grab all the cute girls. So load after load after load, any of us that were fast would grab a cute girl until the end of the day when it was just a bunch of pissed off chubby guys that had been getting passed all day long. I remember I remember Jacko did 29 tandems that day. Either 29 or 30, yeah. No, I think he did 29 or he, and cause he was about to go for his 30th or he did 30. I can't remember, but either way he was going to do one more. And the only people that were left standing there was a crew of dudes. Yep. And he just went, now I'll have a beer. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's pretty much <laughs> what happened. And that yeah, was, yeah. I think his, his jump record that day, he had, he had done the most jumps. Yeah. I think he did 30 cause I did 28. Uh, and I remember yeah. being two behind him. And on the 28th one, I grabbed this guy. And as we're getting on the airplane, I'm like, all right, so there's a pretty good chance I'm going to throw up on you. Because all I'd been doing is drinking Red Bull and eating oh, Snickers yeah. bars. Yeah. I know. Everyone was doing that. And no one was eating. And I remember delivering food to people out at the boarding area. And, yeah, it was uh, well, yeah, it was and Red Bull put out that massive, beautiful food afterwards the huge party and nobody could eat because we were all sick to our stomachs i know i remember (laughs) yeah that was crazy 
Yeah. Well, and then the big like, party started, so nobody was going to eat after that. Where where did the end for Cross Keys start for you? When did you transition out of that place and kind of walk away from the sport? When Sarah died. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I still continued at Cross Keys. Yeah. But for me, when Sarah died, that was kind of the it does happen to people you love, you sure. know? So I think have you I mean you've you've always gonna have people in the sport that die. But for me, Sarah was like, she was the, the main one, the one sure. that I was closest to, you know. And then after that, it was just more and more and more and more. But also my love for cross keys changed when we had some difficult years. I remember when um, the business changed and we ended up with just a shitty little aircraft. Sure. And it got, it got really hard to make money. And, you know, it was, uh, John was splitting up with his partnership and we had some dodgy aircraft and we had, yeah, it just wasn't, it was difficult. It became sure. difficult. From when, when I first arrived there, there was a sky van, a couple of twin otters. You know, if you wanted a few Cessnas as well, everyone was in the air and everyone was jumping and it was manic. I mean, yeah. the day was you'd get up at 6.30 in the morning, you'd start at seven and you didn't even blink until 7 p.m. and you've made 20 jumps yeah and you've made a fortune yeah you know you do a thousand dollar weekends you don't have to do much during the week if you don't want to because the weekends are where it's at but when we had the plane issues everything just became a little bit more difficult and everything people were fighting for jumps and i just remember there'd be 11 instructors signed in on a monday or a tuesday and not enough loads sure. for everyone to make what 30 bucks yeah come on yeah i got stupid but i still stuck with it and then there was all those management changes and you know john would bring people in and they would come in and puff their chest out and go ooh, 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 this is the way it's gonna be be a dick to a lot of people Right. And everyone would be like, hang on, what? What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. You know? Why are we being treated this way? We haven't done anything. And there was like all this politics and it just became this kind of strange place to be. And it sure. wasn't that nice. And it was always at the beginning of the season. You never knew what you were going to get. You never knew. It was sure. almost worth starting later in the season, get all the bullshit out of the way for the first <laughs> month, because you right. never knew what who was in charge, what was going on. I mean, when Raf showed up, poor Mark Norman, he was demote he was grounded. He was demoted to he was only allowed to pack for like a month right. or something, I remember. You know, he he tried to get me fired from doing AFF and Skydive University for who knows what reason. And yeah, it was just, it was, a, it was an extremely strange time. Sure. You know? So yeah, very, very interesting. So I lost, I got a bit of a sour taste with that. And I know John was probably just trying to freshen things up and regain the cross keys name. But I think for a lot of us staff that had been there for a long time and we've, we, it, it always runs so well sure. to then, people coming in and trying to change stuff. And there was a lot of things that happened that were unfair. Sure. 
and yeah. Well, and, and it also... Always, it always recovered. It did always recover, like mid-season, it would always recover and things got back to normal and John would be like, oh yeah, this is how it should be. You know, yeah, uh, it just uh, it, that that sour taste kind of never left. Uh, you had a, a rash of bad luck and a rash of incidents, and and I mean, uh, Cross Keys had more than its fair share of fatalities, and and uh, um, for the craziest reasons, and unbelievable. Yeah. Look, that that's that's one of the things I didn't like was the the year that Raf was there. Yeah. it's almost like he had been briefed on people at cross keys are crazy. It's such a crazy place to be. And he came in and was super strict with kind of sorting the instructors out, but then partying harder than anyone else in the evening. And yeah. one minute he was your best mate. Next minute he was throwing you under the bus. And I don't know. It was just all a bit strange. And I just, I'll never forget the day that, you know, he had his accident and, you know, I had no personal grudge with the guy. I sure. mean, we actually did have our thing, but we sorted it all out. That day, I remember I did 15 jumps. It was huge season opener. And, um, you know, the party got a little bit silly a little later. And I remember saying to Jacko, I feel a bit sick. Mm. I don't know why. I just had one beer and I felt a bit sick and, we grabbed my car. He dropped me home, went back to the drop zone and he phoned me and he's like, you're never going to guess what happened. Mm. And I was just like, Oh my God, thank God I wasn't there for it. Yeah. But I know, you know, most people are traumatized from that night and yeah, sure. look, it's just, you could, you could just feel that it was coming because of the build up was just, there was so much negative, 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 you know, the staff weren't happy. Mm. The No one knew what the season was going to be like. The staff weren't happy because so many people were on a job threat. Sure. Uh, the partying had got to an, another level. I mean, with the guns and, you know, when Frick's best friends with the guy that's in charge of you, there's a problem. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> guy used to drink vodka out on the packing mat. He was, he ran the packing mat. The guy was an alcoholic. He's, I mean, he's drinking vodka and packing your parachutes. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. I mean, yeah. there's certain things that you just, for me, that didn't sit well, you know, I would well, never do that. I mean, my, I was always professional in the fact that you party in the evening and, you know, well, that's the, that's part of what makes the the cross keys year so difficult to try and explain to people, and that why people don't believe when you tell them these stories because they're just they can't wrap their heads around this yeah. shit happening on the daily basis at cross keys. I mean, it was that crazy. It really was. No, like with with Will as well because he he probably felt quite bad about all of that. The hmm. thing you know what used to annoy me about Will. I really mm -hmm. like Will. Sure. You know, some he didn't get on with some people at the drop zone, but they tended to be the same personality as him. Sure. The thing with Will, he's so goddamn talented. That kid can do anything. I mean, sure. I, I, I've seen that he made this beautiful staircase when he was in France. He put these pictures up on his Facebook. Yeah. I mean, this guy's got no carpentry training. The kid would get in a plane and you say, go do this. I mean, he was a phenomenal free flyer. No tunnel time, nothing. He just could do it. Yeah. But 
he focused more on the, the stupid. <laughs> so he was never taken seriously. I mean, you'll never forget when Egon came with UBT. <laughs> the cutaway. The cutaway. I mean, look, I, I remember bringing them up for that. I, there was a boogie and I'd asked Egon to come and because yep. I was sponsored by UPT and I had just got sponsorship for Stanley and Jackson. And I, I had said, you guys have got it wrong. Don't cross keys. Isn't the place where you sponsor the athletes cross keys is a place where you sponsor the instructors because those, those kids that are being taught by the instructors, they're the ones that are spending the money. Yeah. And if the instructors are wearing a UPT, they're going to buy a UPT. Yeah. So we got them sponsored. Egon came up and the Skyhook was this amazing thing. Let me tell you, they they sold more Skyhooks that weekend than <laughs> ever before. And I was, I think I was stood there with you again. You were. You were standing right next to me because Egon was standing in between us. And Egon, yeah, Cola was there as well. But Egon was standing in between us as Selwyn cuts away. And he's... And I was going, nah, he won't do it now. Nah, yeah. Egon, he won't do it now. There's no way he's going to do it now. He's definitely not going to do it now. And this went on for a good 30 seconds. And then yeah. he did it. Yeah, yeah, because he's like, don't do it. Shit, don't oh do God, it. <laughs> and I remember he landed like hard on both his feet and he walked away and just went kind of held his head up like yay and everyone was kind of like oh my god yeah walked into the hangar and sat outside on the bench and lana he was dating lana at the time and she was so pissed off she goes i can't believe you did that are you dumb i mean he she was schooling him yeah and um he did hurt his back. Sure. He did hurt his back, but he he had a beer and that was forgotten. And they sold so many goddamn skyhooks. Oh, yeah. And you rigs that weekend. Well, so I, remember, I remember uh, um, seeing them at the end of the weekend, seeing Cola and Egon together and going, because I knew it was their first trip there. I'm like, so what do you think? And both of them hung over and dazed and glassy-eyed. And they're like, this place is amazing. <laughs> Do you, know, do you know what's really funny is um, they they used to do those skyhook demos and the reserve demos in drop zones all over the USA, right? Yep. And they'd maybe get one or two people want to do it because, you know, they wanted to just try it because they were serious buyers or whatever. Cross Keys, they had something like 24 people try the skyhook just for the shits and giggles of cutting away. Yeah. And Egon was just like, it's unbelievable. Like, people just don't normally do this. So they used to love coming to Cross Keys, and it oh, was God, like yeah. this. Well, it was, it was because awesome. uh, it was because of meeting uh, them at Cross Keys and that introduction to Cola back then that she eventually approached me to write the first article I ever wrote for Blue Skies because she's like, "This fucking guy's seen oh, right. it. Let's let's see what he's got to say." Oh my gosh! Well, she chose the right person because you know. <laughs> so when did you stop jumping? Like, when was the last time you've been under under nylon? Um, two thousand nine. It was I think September or November. And I was at Deland, and my last ever jump was an AFF evaluation jump. Mm. And it was a guy called Trevor, who is, I believe, still an instructor at Deland, and he's now got a boxing gym because he used to be a pro boxer, British guy. Um, yeah, I did. Um, look, I probably jumped for a good six months more than what I should have done. Mm. I was doing more tunnel for sure the last year, but my shoulder was never right after I injured it 
doing tandems. It was basically a torn rotator cuff. Sure. And uh, I never got it treated because, you know, who's got insurance in America right, and right. who can afford that? You know, and I was doing loads of tunnel. I remember I was doing heaps um, with the Qataris and, uh, you know, Skyview. And, right. uh, I mean, it was, I was flying like two, three hour chunks back to back sure. and just it was hardcore. And I was just more and more sore and I'd be flying with my arm around my back trying to, you know, and it, it was coming out. I kept on, I was able to dislocate my shoulder anyway so the time came and I was like you know what I went kite surfing the one morning and it was really windy and the kite just pulled my shoulder and it came out and I was just like in agony and I just went that's it I just that made my decision for me sure and I always said I never wanted to be a 40 year old skydiving instructor sure. you know if that's for some people but for me I wanted a family and I, I wanted a, well not a normal husband but a semi-normal kind of you know i didn't want my life to revolve around the prop you right. know right you know Did and you, you don't you can't, you can't find a husband in skydiving i mean no. come on they're all just you just take your turn right right That's it. <laughs> isn't that what they say? yeah yeah you, know, you don't have a, you don't have a girlfriend you just take your turn yeah. so look it's um do you miss it um um, I don't think so. I mean, people ask me that all the time. And I think I was actually quite burnt out the last two or three years. I sure. missed the tunnel. I 100% missed the tunnel. I used to rip that thing up. I loved it. I, I never got tired of the tunnel ever. But the skydiving, like the last few years, it was almost kind of like being at Deland, even if the weather was crap. I was still making money in the tunnel. So it was just more reliable. And I'm, sure. I'm definitely into kind of, I like to know where my next money's coming from. Sure. I like sure. that security. So, you know, skydiving was always hit and miss. And then it was like, oh, and, you know, so the last couple of years, I, you know, I probably made a handful of fun jumps and. Fair enough. I mean, right. come on, everything, everything I, runs I its course. Really it. I feel like I, I, I've been there. I've done that. I got the t-shirt. Sure. And I can put it in a little box and keep it closed. Fair enough. I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to jump skydive Byron Bay. Uh, Richard Wilkinson, who's still over there in the US, he let me stay at his apartment over there. And I went to the drop zone to pick up the keys to the apartment. And everyone there was like, yeah, come and make a jump, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, go on then. <laughs> oh, we're just on a web hold. And I remember standing there on this drop zone going, damn, it's really windy. I was like, I'll be jumping gear that I've got no idea about. Who knows what size the canopy is? I don't even know what that is. It was a wings container. Right. I was like. Yeah, I mean. It's like, I mean, I sat around for a couple of hours and I just went, you know what? I can't be asked. I want to go to the beach, take a little lad <laughs> surfing and go do this. And I was just like, I just can't be bothered waiting around. That's just not me anymore. Sure. You know? Sure. If it Fair had enough. been, yeah, go in now, grab a rig, get on the load. And it was happened. Yeah. I, I probably would have jumped. Sure. But I had too much time to think about it and go, Oh yeah, nah, nah. So I don't miss I mean, it. I don't. I mean, everything's got its time for sure. Now I always ask people towards the end of the podcast. Um, and this is great to ask you as well. 
advice that you would have for people that are just getting started in the sport? Because you kind of went the whole gambit and your career in skydiving is over. You've already said that you're probably never going to jump again. So what advice do you give to somebody that's just getting into skydiving and they're... Have a backup plan. Have a backup plan? <laughs> <laughs> have a backup plan. Look, it's, look it's, it's a hard industry, you know. Look, it, you know, when I started, everything was attainable. You know, yeah. when I started skydiving, you could still get a four-way team together and you could go and win a gold medal or even a silver or a bronze yeah. at a little scrambled meet. Now sure. you need 200 million hours of tunnel time. You need to have a bank balance the size of freaking a small island yeah. just to be able to get a medal. And you've got to be committed. So, you know, it's you, it's a very expensive sport and you know, the tunnels have probably taken a lot of that and they got a, a lot to blame for that. So it's taken a little bit of the fun away, I guess. Mm. The normal people that, you know. Sure. But yeah, have a backup plan because once I was done with skydiving, you know, I realized that I didn't really have, didn't really have much going for me. Hey? And it was a really hard transition to go sure. from making $250 an hour in the tunnel to going back to the UK and maybe getting eight pounds an hour, sure. $15 an hour. Like, Oh my gosh. Right. So yeah, just uh, have a backup plan and just, you know, be sensible, but Hey, skydivers aren't sensible. So no one's going to listen to that advice anyway. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, but I mean, safe. I, I always think that I was, I probably was over safe. It's not a bad thing. I think that kept me alive and probably there's, a lot of other people. Well, there's, you know, a, there's, and, a, there's a damn good reason why we're still here. Yeah. You know, I was really, I, if it looked sketchy, the winds were a bit over, there's always, an, there's always tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I was never interested in, you know, jumping in extreme weather conditions and look, we didn't think that's how Stanley was going to go. Did we? No, you know, no, God, no. And that's, that's how he, when you know yep. and that's you no know. nope. so look yeah <laughs> push the envelope but do it sensibly if that's even a thing you know oh so you're always going to be <laughs> worthington to me so worthington fucking hell there we could literally do this for 10 hours talking over the shit that used to go down in cross keys and some of that silliness, but I'm glad that I finally, after all this time, nailed you down at least for a little talk and a stroll down memory. Yeah. Should do it next time with a cocktail and yeah. uh, Fair enough. maybe in person in Bali. There you go. All right. Next time around in Bali, we'll do it. Next time around, we'll do it in Bali. Well, Miss Kim Worthington Turnbull, thank you so much for taking the time. I really, yeah, really do appreciate right. it. It's been fantastic catching up. <laughs> no worries. It was awesome. Love you. Enjoy. You too. All right. Well, there you go. Another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void in the Can, as always, brought to you by Blue Skies Magazine. Head to blueskiesmag.com and check it out. By Pussfoot.com, the Extreme Sports Collective, Pussfoot.com, Summit Parachute Systems, Jarrett Martin over there, SummitParachuteSystems.com for rigging courses and badass pilot rigs. And as for me, I am the fucking pilot at thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com. That's where you get the podcasts, both the books in digital 
and prints, and with the help of a co-host, hopefully that audiobook. Thanks.